Hello and welcome to a very depressed sounding episode 21 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. We're coming from BC Place after the Whitecaps shocking, catastrophic, depressing, pick whatever word you want to describe it, it was just a terrible 1-0 loss to Real Salt Lake. I'm your host Michael McCall and I'm joined as always by my co-host He's maybe going to be in a bit more of an upbeat mood than I am, Steve Pander. Oh, I don't know about upbeat, but I'm definitely here. Well, <laughs> you're, you're usually more optimistic than I am. I've, I've been quite pessimistic. Last time we did the podcast, it was right kind of in the middle of the three-game road trip. At the yeah. start, in the middle of the three-game road trip. You, you were optimistic then. Yeah. I was the pessimist. I thought we would get no points from, from that road trip at all. You said four. We got four. Yeah, but it all means nothing when you come back and play at home or like this. And that, that's the thing, it's like, it's all been completely wasted by that defeat today. Before we get into the meats and bones of it, just general thoughts on the on the game. It was like the team had nothing coming out of the match. They got behind really quick. Um, the Sandoval, like, I think it was Lavelle Palmer who... Um, had that cross in from there. He was completely not... He wasn't challenged at all on that play. And he, the, it was an easy cross. Demerit... Like, who... The first goal... Let's just talk about that first of all before we even get into the rest of the game. Because that came so early in the match. It was within the first 10 minutes. Who, uh, again. Yeah. Who 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 was the blame on that? I, like, is, well, it, is it the... Is it the person not covering the crosser? Is it Demerit for not challenging? Is it Usted? Like, is it a combination of all three? Do they ever make an equal blame? What's going on with it? So what do you think? What do you, who do you think is the most to blame there? It's a tough one. It was a great cross. I mean, Martin Rennie after the game said we have to give Real Salt Lake credit for the way that they played. And I have to give Lavelle Palmer credit on that goal because that was an absolutely perfect cross. And I'll, I'll come back to that, that cross. I'll answer your question first. I think Eisted was at fault. Demerit could maybe have done a little bit better in picking Sandoval up, but Sandoval's a quality player. I, I've been impressed with him since he came into MLS from, from New Mexico. And I think Eustace should have come out for it. And he did. He addressed that after after the game. Um, we'll play some audio later on. But he he basically felt that he should have come out and, and went for the ball. He said he might not have got it, but at least he would have made the effort to come out and, and, and get it. And he feels he didn't do that. I feel he didn't do that. I think he hesitated an awful lot in the opening minutes. There was a few crosses came into the box that he just didn't know whether to stay on his line or whether to come out and meet them. Yeah, I know. I totally agree with that. Uh, he, quite a few times. Uh, the second half, he was a little bit more aggressive. Um, he was running... Uh, collecting the ball quickly and everything like that, crossing it out, you know, heading it out and everything like that. So he was getting more aggressive in the second half, but in that first half he definitely showed a lack of uh, anticipation of what to do at the time when the crosses were coming in. Yeah, I, I, I would say as well that that is probably the only thing that Eusted did wrong for the whole game. Fortunately, it cost a winning goal, but the rest of the game he was outstanding. He was the only player... I think, out there today, that probably deserve pass, pass marks. Maybe Camillo as well. But apart from that, it's it was poor. And the problem is, is the, when you play a team like RSL, when that early goal goes in, then you're, you're basically... Because they're such a good possession team. You're basically chasing them the rest of the game. And that does not help you in the later moments when you're like well-winded from chasing them the whole time. The stats, possession-wise, 
it, it came out to about 46 and a half the, for the Whitecaps, but prior to those last 10 minutes, actually 47, uh, prior to the last 10 minutes of that match, it was down to 43 and a half possession for the Whitecaps, for, for RSL in favor of RSL. And when you're down a goal, you cannot be with 43.5% possession. I know, when you pointed that out after the game, I, I find that crazy. Thinking back on how the game went, yeah, that, that is how it went. And the, the whole game, both teams looked dangerous going forward. The, there was a few scary moments in the boxes, but the Whitecaps just never threatened. Yet you had the shot in the first half from Tiber. The, it was a great strike, fantastic save from the, the Salt Lake keeper. And that was pretty much it in the first half. There was nothing else. Second half, the the only real chance of note was that scramble where there was like four shots. Take the four shots blocked. Yeah, yeah, that the Whitecaps had. And then it ended with Mattix in his now traditional pose this season of arch back, head on his hands, looking skyward, going, how did I not put that in? Yeah, 100%. And the thing is, uh, if you compare compare. It, the talent level and everything. This was very similar to the Chivas match too, the way they started, um, letting that goal by Torres in, and then the quick. Luckily, they didn't let a quick second one in, or that would have really. Got, yeah. Or maybe I, that would have helped them because they would have got more, even more desperate early on because they showed no desperation, and for most of the first half. Well, I mean, it, it is inexplicable, and that that's basically what everyone was was saying after the game, like um, Rennie, Ousted, Rio Coker. The general feeling is they don't know what went wrong today. Now, if you look at the, the team, there was there was two changes from the win in Montreal. Kenny Miller was obviously a forced change. He's out injured, so Camilo came back in. Nothing wrong with that. Two goals last week. You'd have expected him to come in whether Miller was, was good to go or not. Heinemann kept his place. The only other change, Russell Tybert came in for Matt Watson. That was the team I expected the Whitecaps to go for. So I don't think you can really point any fingers with that. Or, or can you? I mean, would you have put any different personnel out there to, to start that game? Well, to be honest, I expected that similar lineup to be out there. Um, the, the one thing I did have concern with and, uh, and is having Camilo on the wing after his two goals um, against Montreal late in the game. I thought he might have been more effective in the middle. And, but, of course, I don't know who you would have put on the left side. That, that, I wasn't sure. Do you really want to put Kakuta Mane in there? But do you maybe want to put Kakuta Mane because you were playing such a weak inside on RSL? They weren't traveling with all their players. He might have had a better effect because he's not playing against their top players. Well, how much do you think that the Whitecaps knew that was going to be the Salt Lake team out there? Like, again, post-game, Rennie had said that they knew it probably wasn't going to be the strongest lineup that they had out there. So they prepared for playing, I don't know what. Do you think they were caught cold by playing against guys that they didn't really know much about? It could have been. It could have been like a lack of scouting or something like that because they weren't expecting everybody to be switched off. I think there were, we, I think we counted maybe three to four regular starters in the lineup. So there were a lot of players that they probably haven't seen. Of course, they're Sandoval, guys like Sandoval and Garcia, they know who they are because they've seen them in, and they've yeah. seen these guys in the reserves too so they should have had some yeah. kind of inkling of what, what they were capable of and the thing is that a lot will be made that the Whitecaps didn't beat basically a Real Salt Lake reserve team and that is true you can't take anything away from that there's no positive spin at all that you can put on it and I'm glad to see Martin Rennie didn't try to put a positive spin on it after the game 
he basically said that it was a it was a poor result from the whole team and that included himself. He included the coach in that and they are to blame. It was it was just it was just so poor. Looking ahead, there's four games left, four really tough games, two Cascadia Derbies, two games home and away against Colorado. If you can't put a team out there which is probably the strongest team that was at your disposal today that can actually go out and beat a reserve team like Salt Lake what hope have you got of getting four wins which is I think what the Whitecaps need to do now yeah they need to sweep almost everything they can maybe at, at most drop two points because of the win in Montreal but but they still have to make up for today's loss and that's going to be huge so yeah I, I expect them the thing is if they if they pick up these next two wins in Portland and Seattle, then it's just a matter of beating Colorado, and they're in. But that's going to be a big task, too, because they got to travel to Colorado with the altitude, and this time probably the cold. Yeah, I mean, who, who knows what it's going to be like by the time we, we actually face Colorado. So before we talk anymore, let's hear some audio from the Caps dressing room. We're going to hear from Martin Rennie, uh, David Ousted, and a very honest and glum Nigel Rio Coker. So let's hear some of that just now. For the third game in a row, we started the game badly, which is really frustrating. It's something we, we've worked on and made sure that we were focused and ready to go. We've lost a, a bad goal. It was a great cross and a good header, but it's something we should have defended better. So we put ourselves in a bad spot to start with, and then I just thought our quality was really poor. I didn't think we got good balls into the box. We didn't really connect any crosses. Our, our passing and movement in the final third was poor today, and it was a disappointing performance, especially given how well we've played in, a, in our last two games. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I also think I really want to give credit to Salt Lake. You know, we've seen almost every team here this season and uh, no one's performed better than that. And I know that wasn't the, the every you know starter that you would expect, but I think I, I really do give credit to them and I thought they played a fantastic game. And, um, you know, if it hadn't been for saves that David made, it, it could have definitely been worse for us today. And so um, scratching my head as to, to the, the way we performed, really disappointed with it. I think we've all got to look at it and see how we can do better. We now put ourselves in a in a difficult spot as we go forward, but we've still got plenty of time to 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 get the wins that we need. We know how many we need, and we need to need to turn it round starting next week against Portland. I don't think anybody played well today, apart from maybe David Ustad. I think it was a terrible performance from everybody, and and that means it's a terrible performance from the coach as well. It's a it's a, a real real letdown and way below our standard. Definitely not a, a result or a performance we um, we can look back on with joy. Um, I think uh, we weren't there today and, and conceded a, a back goal and, and weren't able to create the chances we need. How do you explain it? I had the explanation. I would have changed it. Um, I, I don't know. It's an important uh, stage in, in the season, and, and we should be able to, to, to come out and perform better and, and be more uh, more hungry for for you each ball and, and each goal, but um, we weren't there today. Is it frustrating as an individual? You put in a fairly strong performance, but your team essentially didn't show up today. How frustrating is that for you? Um, we're here as a team, so uh, when you talk about the team, you're talking about 11 of us, and, and I'm in there. I'm not happy with the, with the way uh, we uh, we performed, uh, myself included. Uh, we we, um, we should have done better, and, and especially in this part of the season. Did you feel you were in a good spot on that header, but he just bounced it by you? Do you think he might have had it if it was in the air? I think I should have uh, come across and tried to, to, to take the, the the ball in the air, and maybe maybe I get there, maybe I don't, but uh, at least try to take the header away from him. Uh, I'm not happy with that goal. I'm not happy with my own performance on that goal, so uh, maybe I could have done something differently. 
disappointing uh, performance this stage of the season? Hard to explain? No, it's not. Um, we got to a footballing lesson. We didn't deserve to win today. They were a better team. They passed, they moved, they had a lot more desire than us. Um, we got to a footballing lesson. We have to be honest with ourselves. I, Nigel, any explanation for just the, the, the lack of sharpness up front and, and every, any any idea what happened today? I have no idea what happened. No explanation. I'm not going to make up no lies, no nothing. Today we got taught a lesson. They were a the better team than us. They've got a system that they play. We struggled with their system. They've played their system throughout the entire season regardless of whoever they've played against and they know how to play their system. Nigel, Darren and Kakuta came on in the second half and it seemed to boost you guys for a little while. What was the you like on the pitch there and then it kind of went downhill after that good spell? Um, I don't think there was any type of Changing mood on the pitch, you know. We know we needed to win the game. Um, we're finding it, we're finding it hard in keeping the ball. We're finding it hard doing the right things and the simple things. You know, I think we just tried to overcomplicate things today as a team. You know, we didn't play with each other well enough. We didn't give each other enough options on the ball. And um, as a team, we were poor today. I join you. face a team that's basically left after starting line up at home. Is that is that a really good performance like that? It's a banana skin, you know. Um, these type of games are banana skins that you got to be careful. Just because they've left their so-called starting eleven at home, doesn't mean that they're going to come there without without the right mentality. As I've said before, they play a good system. They've got a great system. They've been playing all season. They've never changed their system. Every player knows their responsibility in that system, and it works well for their team and the players that they have. So we'll we'll come back to some of Nigel's comments there in a bit, but just to talk a little bit more about the game, there was a, a couple of things which you picked up, Steve, that you wanted to talk about. And one of them was the early substitutions. Yeah, the, we had two, a double substitution around the 53rd, 54th minute mark. And then we had he, Martin Rennie using all three subs by the 70th minute, which I don't ever recall happening before. You could probably remember I, that better. Uh, I'm really bad at remembering stuff like that, but... I, I, I just I don't, don't remember, remember ever it happening, no. yeah. Usually that's when the first sub happens at the 70th minute. Yeah, but he, he said post-game that... He made the substitutions when he did uh, because he, he just felt he had to try and bring some life to the team. There was just no no life to the team. And, I mean, there there wasn't. I gave them a little lift when they first came on because they had that, that, that four-chance yeah. move that we, we talked about. But, yeah, there was just very little. In the first half as well, Camillo was really the only guy that was kind of showing any, any kind of attack out there. He had a couple of really good runs and... He was a, maybe a little bit selfish, but he didn't have a lot of support up there. And the one time he wasn't selfish, he gave the ball to Nigel Rio Coker. And again... He was surrounded by three RSL yeah, players and it was just done. It's just the wrong guy, though, that you want up there as well. It's like, we've talked about this so much. Rio Coker gets in those positions and I don't think he's ever going to score. Like you, I, know, I don't know if they set this up, like who set in what position, but... Like a guy like Tybert who's closer to the the corner flag, why not have him up top ready to sprint out on a counter attack instead of having Rio Coker up there? Or uh, Heinemann obviously is, is there to defend the box, so you want to keep him there. But having a guy like Tybert there and having Rio Coker down near the corner flag to defend an, uh, a, a quick pass or something like that would be more logical. But I guess they have their system set up the way it is. Camilo doing too much, do you think that was also... Maybe he didn't, because he never really played with Heinemann in the Montreal game. Uh, lack of trust with Heinemann and not really seeing him make his moves or make his runs into the box? It could be, but then I, again, it could just be the confidence factor that he got the two goals last week, that he felt that he was confident and he could do it himself. And it just things just weren't coming off. And another thing as well, like 
going back to the substitutions, you were really surprised that he took Gershon Kofi off. I, not just that I saw him taking Gershon Kofi off. I thought it was more surprising that he didn't take Davidson off. The only reason is because they were in desperation move. There were a couple of times that Davidson, they moved forward in attack. And actually, Davidson did move forward. But then he would get the ball. He would he Actually, the play would seem like it slowed down. And then he, some, one time he actually got it back to demerit instead of moving it forward. It just seemed like the, it, the ball stopped. And then soon after that, Davidson was subbed off. I thought if Kofi uh, had played in the holding mid-spot and in those times when he couldn't move up, because at that time, you're, you're just trying to get that goal, so you don't really care about what the holding mid does. I'm, personally, my feeling is, I know other people will disagree, but you want to do that, and Kofi would have, in those positions, might have moved up and got the ball into the box or moved it forward or something like that. So that that was the surprising part for me, and obviously it changed once Davidson came off, and then it was more Rio Coker pushing the ball up from the back. Well, the, the thing with Kofi as well is, since he, like he came in, he, he played the DM role, and he did well. I am still a fan of Davidson. I know there's a lot of people out there that's not your one of them that's not his biggest I'm, fan. I'm not his biggest fan, but I I feel he has his moments. But I I just don't feel like he's vital, and especially when you're trying to get that early goal. I I could see what what Rennie was doing with, with that substitution. I do agree that it may have been better to to drop Kofi back into the DM role, take Davidson off at that point. And then if you do need to pull any defensive guy later on, like you did with Davidson, you then pull Coffee. Because Coffee does give a little bit more, well, quite a bit more, attacking play when he's playing a, as a DM than what Davidson does. And he's a little stronger on the ball too, and that's, I think, a big thing. The thing with Gershon is, I think in the last couple of games, his head's still been in the, the whole DM role. He hasn't been going forward as much as he should be, and... It's felt at times that we've been playing with two DMs. I just don't think that he's shaken that that was what Rennie asked him to do and that he's gone back full into attacking midfielder mode. And I think that's why Rio Coker has been the guy that we've had up there because Kofi would have been better up there. But Rio Coker's got the better engine, he does more running, and that's why he's ended up there. And, and Kofi needs to, to get the attacking mindset back. I was going to say before it's too late, it probably is too late, yeah. but... There's just everything about the team just now just isn't gelling, and we'll we'll get we'll get to what possible changes in the season running in the last segment of the show. But let, let's talk a little bit just now about Nigel Rio Coker. Now we heard his his comments there post game. He didn't come out directly and say stuff, but I mean, Mark Weber tweeted this as well. You, you could kind of read between the lines as to exactly what he was hinting at in a, in a lot of things. But one thing which he kept saying over and over was that we got taught a footballing lesson today. And they passed, they moved, they had more desire than the Whitecaps did. He, he said, we have to be honest with that. And it's really refreshing to hear that, but it's also really sad to hear at the same time because he's 100% accurate. Yeah, 100%. And, and he also mentioned that how RSL... Um, even though they had you know different players on the field, they were playing away from home, but they played the same system. Uh, no matter where they are, they don't adjust to anything. And there's you know you have to question whether he's questioning Martin Rennie and the way Martin switches up systems and uh, depending on where they're playing. Like for example, the FC Dallas game when they were completely playing in a defensive mode. So 
you gotta see if if Nigel's actually questioning the the gaffer in that. I, I think he is, and there was a, another question asked him as well about the switch between Russell Tybert coming in for Matt Watson. I mean, Matt Watson's played in two games where the Whitecaps get four points, and you drop him. You bring in Russell Tybert, who has been out of form. Like I said at the start of the show, that was what I would have brought in. I would have brought Russell in, just because I felt he gave us a little bit more attacking edge, in theory, not actually in practice out there, but a bit more attacking edge than Watson. But when, when Nigel was asked that after the game, he just said, that's not me that makes the decision, it's the manager that makes that decision. Again, reading between the lines, you kind of got the impression he was like, yeah, I didn't agree with that. I don't know why he changed a team that was winning, getting points. So there does seem to be a little bit, maybe friction, just maybe disagreement. I think it's more frustration. Uh, it could be frustration of obviously the loss, the big loss and everything. Because you could see it even before the game was over. Because uh, at one point, Harvey got goaded into a yellow card. Yeah. And that was like... Like completely nonsense because he pushed him once, he pushed him twice, he pushed him three times, and that's when the ref pulled out the yellow card on him. I know, and it's like, you, and you could see rough frustration throughout the whole team at that point. You could tell that there was, there was, they, they, they knew they weren't going to win this game. Frustration's a probably a good word, and I think Nigel Rio Coker was definitely frustrated in the locker room after the game. Before he came up to speak to the media, he was in a very animated discussion with Carol Robinson where he was doing pretty much all the talking. He clearly wanted to get some things off his chest, maybe share things with Carol that Carol can then take back and, and, and say to Martin Rennie. It would have been great to have heard that. He was, he was definitely animated, and then he came up to talk right after that, and you could tell just his whole demeanour, he just wasn't happy. Neither he should be. He should not be happy after a performance like that in a must-win game, which has pretty much ended the Whitecaps' hopes for the season. Mm-hmm. And maybe we should now go on to talking about somebody not happy. Maybe we should talk to about somebody that was happy after the game, which is Jason Christ. Yeah, and, and Steve, you were one of the few people to go along and, and speak to him after the game. And he had a lot of time for you. He gave you some really honest answers. So let's hear that audio now. Congrats on the win, by the way. Thank you. Um, I know you guys expect, like, whatever 11 you put on the field, you expect to have results and everything. But a lot of people in Vancouver, especially pre-game shows, thought this, based on the lineup, that Vancouver was in a good position to win. What are your thoughts on your team, uh, the young team that put out in their performance today? I just couldn't be happier for them or more proud of them. Uh, it was unbelievable uh, what they did. Uh, the belief that they had in themselves, first and foremost, but uh, the work rate that they put in uh, and the togetherness that, the, that this group continues to show is uh, simply amazing. And Sandoval up front really gave them problems, especially at the beginning his play, he's really uh, seems to pick up his game lately. Yeah, he's uh, he can be a handful for defenders, and he never says die, uh, and that's you know a quality that we appreciate so much in all of our players and in our system. It's it's absolutely critical and necessary. Uh, I think that we've when when we lose, we oftentimes look back and said if we had been willing to put in that extra yard, then perhaps the result could be different. We we believe that the soccer's. The soccer doesn't change that drastically. The level of play that we have doesn't change that drastically. Uh, and so if we can make up the, the difference with our efforts, then oftentimes we get results. Uh, and Devin is uh, the quintessential guy for that. Uh, 
he'll give you everything he has, and that helps you to win games. Um, this, yeah, a lot of people say the RSL system. You guys play obviously. The system. Do you think the system really helped you today? With you know, you didn't have to worry about who you put on the lineup. And everybody yeah. worked within the system and made an effort there. Yeah, you know, I think that that uh, that is one of the large benefits of of having a philosophy of play and a system that you stick to ninety percent of the time. Um, we train all of our guys in that same system. We train all of our guys. Uh, against an opponent system within ours and so we know our weaknesses and we know our strengths uh, and we believe that if we can put in the right effort um, that our strengths will come out. I think this game will really boost your like the morale especially of the first team guys for the U.S. Open Cup coming up? I hope so, I hope so. What do you think, so. what are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know that's, we've said, I said a month or a month and a half ago, the most important match for us for the next six weeks is the Open Cup final. And yes, we, we want to compete for the supporter shield, but for me, the, the chance to win something in a one-off game is has to take precedence. So really, really excited about that opportunity that we have and really excited to, to play that match in front of our fans. So Jason Kreis, very happy, very honest there. And you kind of have to, as we said earlier, give Salt Lake some really good plaudits. Despite putting out a weakened team, they stuck to their system, they played excellent, and they were fully deserving of the of the three points today. And it was a it was a great goal by Sandoval, as we said. He's he's a big guy. He's, he was just drafted this last year, um, in the second round. And ironically, he was drafted by Vancouver's original selection because Vancouver had traded that to Philadelphia, who traded to RSL, and they picked Sandoval. So a Vancouver uh, former Vancouver draft pick. Uh, <laughs> he not was a former Vancouver player, but a former draft pick. Uh, comes back to haunt the Whitecaps. I've been a fan of Sandoval this season from what I've seen of him. He has really impressed me. He he uses his height well for a big man, which we seem to get tall players that just aren't very good in the air. And he he's good. I mean, maybe the Whitecaps should have taken a look at him. But other teams passed him over as well when he went 29th. But I think he's he's been one of the, the top performing rookies this year in, in MLS. I, I've really liked what I've seen of him. You, you look at the Whitecaps team, and you've got a rookie from last year. You've got Darren Matix, who's completely out of form. I won't go through all my, my trade Matic stuff again. Um, Kikuta Mane, who blows hot or cold. I, he came on a sub. I hardly noticed him today. He had that one chance that he skied over. He, but he made a couple of runs. He was the one that was starting those runs on the, the side. On the, but they weren't on the going side. anywhere. No, they weren't going where he, he did start the play that ended up in the four-block flurry that we keep talking about. Because yeah. honestly, there weren't very many future, there weren't many chances yeah, to talk about. So to talk keep about. going back to the same chances over and over again. The highlights reel would be pretty bleak for this, I think. Yeah. Uh, so the, yeah, essentially, the yeah, I agree. The draft picks have not really planned out. You got Salgado, who hasn't done anything. Uh, Maddox and then Manny and Hurtado. Really, I know they like to talk about their youth, but their youth have really done nothing compared to the youth that are doing stuff for other teams. So just to throw this out there, this is something I'm sure we'll talk about post-season, but at the moment the Whitecaps were looking to have probably the second or the third pick in the 2014 Super Draft, depending if Toronto finish above or below Chivas. Should we keep that? Should we go for the second or third pick? Or should we use that as a valuable asset, considering that we've got all these young guys who haven't been performing, We've got our own young guys coming through the residency and we'll, we'll talk about the residency later. We'll kind of finish on some happier Whitecaps news. Do you think we should try and get the best second or third player in the draft 
or trade that to get an experienced guy in either for the fullback position or in the midfield? Well, what I would do is, uh, and this is obviously early, I haven't even looked at any of the players. Uh, we get keep getting told by Slamble about that uh, Thunder Bay kid that played for them. <laughs> so I can never remember his name. I can't remember his name either. Maybe he'll us. tweet it out again for us. But I, uh, that's the only guy I, I, I've even heard of. But what I personally would do is keep the number two pick or whatever it is, number two, number three pick. Um uh, and then they could trade the other second, their other second round pick for something, because if you look at it last year, a similar player that uh, I remember Chicago picked up for their, I think they were picking about tenth. They picked up a Jeff Lorenowitz from Colorado, and that's a decent pickup. Because yeah. if you if you if for value wise, if you trade a second or third overall pick, you're going to bring in a player that's very highly paid. You might for the tenth pick, you might pick up somebody that's a, from another team that. Is they're trying to get rid of because they're there may be a high against the cap and the white caps with all their players leaving a lot of players retiring and leaving the, after the year they'll have quite a few uh they'll be quite under the cap at that point that's that's actually a very good plan keep the keep the number two or three pick that we get from toronto trade our own one which looks like it could be top 10 maybe the way that things are going um that that could be the way forward for the White Cats, but as I said, we'll look at that all in our in our postseason pods or end of the season pods, which could maybe be even next week. <laughs> because next week, coming off a, a defeat like this, you look to see the the table. There's four games left. What don't you want? A Cascadian derby, which we can hardly buy a win in. I know we've got one against Seattle, but we're we're, we're struggling. So Portland are coming to town next Sunday. It's going to be tough. It will be tough, but again, I think the, uh, it seems like now it's kind of reversed for the Whitecaps. In the past, they seem to never get up for their rivals, and they seem to always be playing uh, the other teams that really have no say against poorly. But it seems now that they're playing against their rivals better, and the teams that they have no real feelings for or whatever or animosity towards, they're, they're actually stinking the bed of them. So maybe they do get up. And, and try to redeem themselves after this game um, and try to play better. Because after that FC Dallas game, they actually had two decent games against San Jose and Montreal. So maybe after this stinker, they can pull off something against Portland. The thing as well with all that is much has been made of this being a fortress. BC Place is a fortress. It's not anymore. No, it's it, been bubble. The burst, bubble's yeah, been burst. And like the White Caps, their their season ticket campaigns and in, in full flow, the twelve percent off for twelve days. This is probably the worst thing that could have happened for them because fans have got to October sixth to get that twelve percent discount off season tickets. Obviously, for many, they're going to get season tickets no matter what, and it doesn't matter that the team lost. But there's going to be a lot of people waiting to see whether the Whitecaps make the playoffs or not, and they're not going to care about the 12%. So defeat today, right when that season ticket campaign is kicking off, and then you've got the final day of it, the day that we're playing Portland, that could just be terrible for a Whitecaps season ticket point of view. Yeah, you really uh, they probably wish they had started this campaign back in June when they were really playing well, yeah. because then they would have picked up a lot of season tickets at that point. What, what I was really surprised at today is at halftime, the, the team... Halftime whistle went, and it was kind of just flat. There was silence. It wasn't booze. It was kind of just like people were incredulous that the Whitecaps were losing at home to a weakened team at what's meant to be a fortress. But at the final whistle, there were a lot of booze, which I thought or hoped 
was aimed at the players and the management for how they played, but you think it was more towards the referee. The only thing is, that, yeah, they were really riding the uh, Toledo. Obviously, uh, that does, that comes with qu- no question. And almost every match he, he refs. I don't think he had a bad game. No, today. I don't think so either. Not a horrible game, but there were uh, obviously when you're watching from the stands and everything, and you see stuff, you, you're going to see the game differently. So I think they were on the ref because when uh, they mentioned the man of the match for David Usted, there was a lot of cheers. The yeah. cheers picked up. So. I don't think they were. Uh, I think the Whitecaps, uh, the general casual fan right now, is enjoying the atmosphere, and so they're not really bothered by the results. I think it's more the hardcore fans that are going to be on the Whitecaps about the results. And you know what? I think that's what is completely wrong about this city. There should be more people. Twenty-one thousand today. There should have been huge boos at the final whistle, booing the team off. And showing them that they're not going to take that and they need a successful team out there and that there has to be changes in the personnel that's playing on the pitch, the management, and maybe even higher than that as well. And I think more pressure would be on the Whitecaps management and especially the owners and more pressure to change if the fans were up in arms, if they were booing, if they were showing their discontent. Because then they would be panicking and they'd be like, we need to get some decent players in, we need to get some maybe big name franchise players but most of all, we have to get a winning team out there that's going to make the playoffs otherwise, we can't take for granted that we're going to get six sellouts this season So do you think there'll be any changes for the Portland game coming up? Do you think he I, I don't think he's going to throw in the towel yet I don't think he's going to be playing well, no. the young guys I and think then, he's going to play the strongest team as possible right? Well, let's look at the, the table We're recording this before Portland play LA Whoever loses that is still very catchable in theory for the Whitecaps. Let's just for argument's sake say that LA win because it makes it a bit better because we've ha- we have still got to play Portland. So if LA win, and there isn't a guarantee of that because LA's been hit or miss, Portland's at home. But an LA win would take them to 48 points from 30 games. Portland would have 46 from 30. We have 41. We win next week against Portland we're on 44. So there's still hope there. Colorado had a bye week. They're four points ahead of us. Same amount of games left. We play them home or away. We win both those games. And whatever we do in the other two, Colorado also do. And we'll overtake them. So there's hope there as well. San Jose is still, of course, kicking about. And I actually, when I did how I thought the season was going to play out a few weeks back... I had San Jose making it in the playoffs and a lot of folk poo-pooed that and said it's not going to happen. If they win out, there's a chance they could do that. Basically, whichever one of the teams between San Jose, Whitecaps, Colorado, LA, Portland, you pick two or three of them that win out the rest of the season or even get three wins out of four for the rest of the season, they're in the playoffs. So there is still some hope for the Whitecaps and I think that's what makes this result all the more frustrating because the hope's still there but also from a fan's point of view from a pundit's point of view it's agonising because the hope is still there you're going into the Portland game knowing hey if we win this we're still in with a shout No and there's no doubt but the thing is a lot of people will be looking at the way they play today and seeing how how can they bring their game up for that Portland game and a lot of people are not going to see that and that's why I think a lot of people uh, there's going to be a lot of calls for that the season is basically over. Like there was a tweet before ten minutes before the match was over, and people were saying this last could be the last ten minutes of the season. And some even people said that Reddy's uh, 
coaching career in, in Vancouver with only had 10 minutes left too. But definitely if they don't make the playoffs, I can't see him hanging around. Like right now, I don't think we're, we've got a hope of getting into the playoffs. Because of what I said, if we can't beat a reserve team, what, what hope have we got unless we raise our game like nothing on earth? But three wins and a draw against Seattle, maybe even three wins and a loss to Seattle could get us in. And I think that's what we have to cling on to. And the fact that we still have something to cling on to is going to make it worse now if we, if, if no, we don't I, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, I 100% agree because you you're kind of in limbo right now at yeah. this point. Um, but like I said, I mentioned you were talking about reserve team losing to reserve team. This is a Whitecaps team that lost to UBC. I mentioned that before the game, yeah. and you were like poo-pooing that, but... You never know what's going to happen at, at any point. Because I season. think Camillo and Heineman started they against started, UBC. They started. was yeah. on, the, on, the, on the team too. There were quite a few players that played today that were on that team. Well, maybe we should be looking at some of this UBC talent, which if you haven't read Steve's Caps and College coverage on AFTN, check that out weekly because you'll follow UBC, UVic, SFU, and all the residency guys that are playing in NCAA. Now, you, you asked whether I made any changes against Portland. I think there has to be. And I think there will be, because there's no way that he's going to put that same team out there, and he's not able to. Now, if we assume that Kenny Miller's not going to make it, because I I cannot see him recovering from that injury in time for next week. He hasn't trained at all this week, so I, I just don't see any hope at all for that. So for me, there has to be changes. I don't think we can change the back line. No. I think it's it's set. Rio Coker and probably Kofi are going to be set. You may drop Kofi back to DM and drop Davidson, bring Watson back in. I think Tybert's gone. I think we're going to see Manny start next week. And I don't know, he might go for Matix, he might go for Heinemann. But if he goes for Heinemann, he has to stop rotating the front three like he did today and play Heinemann as a, as a target striker. I know you don't like Camilo out wide, I don't either. But if you've got Heinemann in there, he has to play oh, up no, front sure. as a big target guy. No, there's changes I see. Uh, same thing, backline stays the same. Um, I could see possibly, if he wasn't happy with the way Davidson was pushing forward, possibly Lebron coming in at holding. Um, he has been out for quite a while, for quite a few games, and he was on the bench today. So that that's a possibility with Kofi and Rio Coker up front. Or he might just get rid of Kofi completely and put Kobayashi in there. Um, I keep forgetting about him because I don't like him but <laughs> do you know just now I'd maybe give him a run out because yeah. he's playing for a contract next yeah. season he's going to be hungry and then the, up top I, 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 th- I think Tiber stays in um, I see Camille going in the middle and I see because Heinemann was one of the first guys off I, I whenever a, a coach takes one of the guys off first I see that as being a change for the next game True. and I put uh, Watson on the right side so Tiber uh Camilo and Watson up top. I think Watson gets back in because they won the Montreal yeah. game and the other game with him in there. So I think they're going to try to bring some of the back of that mojo back into the team. It's going to be interesting as well to see what the players, how they react, and when they have their, their team meetings, what they say. Rennie was asked after the game like what, what the players had said in the dressing room. Not what he had said, what the players had said. And he said that's not for public consumption. So again, if you want to read between the lines... You can tell that some of the leaders in the dressing room were not happy and they called out their teammates. And you can imagine someone like Rio Coker, Kenny Miller, David Ousted doing that. And they're quite right to do so. And it's going to be interesting to see in the team meetings this week 
who stands up and be counted? And on the pitch against Portland, who goes out there, stands up and be counted? Because all these guys just now are playing for contracts next season as far as I'm concerned. Let's put put the playoffs to the side. If these guys want to continue in MLS, their best hope is to stay in Vancouver because what other teams are going to pick these guys up? So they need to go out there next week. They need to get the three points. They need to show passion like they've never shown passion before. And they need to play like RSL did today and play to show that they deserve a place in the starting lineup. Well, some other players uh, after that amazing rant by Michael there, uh, some players that might replace these guys in the lineup next year um, have started their season in the USDA. We're going to try to end on a positive note here. Yep. And, we'll uh, end with the some, Whitecaps, we some don't happy wanna, news. Yes. So they've actually had a really good start. Um, the the under-18s have gone 5-0. and And the under-16s, who struggled quite a bit last year, have actually had a really good start as well. And they have four wins and a draw in five games. Um, I was able to catch the two home games, one in UBC and one in Bellingham. Um, I thought... They played well, but from what I was told after the game by Gordon Forrest is that they actually played better in California. So there were there were good good things coming out of that. That you know they were uh, playing well. Even they won games despite not even playing up to what their standards are. They're, they're, once again, they're continuing to be the the shining light in the Whitecaps organization. And I've been really impressed with the the way that the 16s have started the season because. They did, have a, they did have a poor season last year, but these guys that they've brought in and the guys that were playing last year that's got the experience now, they've really gelled so quickly and they're doing a fantastic job. Now, the next games for the residency is this coming weekend on October 5th and October 6th. 10.30 on Saturday, the under-18s are at home to De Anza Force and the under-16s will kick off against De Anza at 1 o'clock. So try and get out to see that. At the moment, on the official site, it's scheduled it being at Simon Fraser, but I would expect it that it's going to be up at UBC. On the Sunday as well, if you want to see some fun winning football before you head down to BC Place to see the Portland game, you might also want to get out and see the residency. The under-18s play Santa Cruz Breakers at 12 o'clock, and you won't probably make the under-16 game, or they could see at least a half of it, and they'll kick off at 230 and with the Santa Cruz, we could always now bring out the song Here Comes Santa Cruz tune to, to, to say Here Comes Santa Claus. So that was lots of fun last time. We yep, did. and that was also the team we thrashed last time. And for, for Santas, they kind of had really empty sacks. Yes, they did. I was down in Santa Cruz recently because I'm, I'm just back from a, a two-week California trip where I, I saw the Whitecaps in San Jose. And I also saw my first ever... NCAA Division 1 games. I saw two Santa Barbara games, one against Yale. I saw Ben McKendry's New Mexico Lobos beat Santa Barbara a couple of days later with a goal 12 seconds remaining. And one thing we're talking about the draft, I was really impressed by the standard of play at NCAA Division 1. And I didn't think I would be because I've read all the stuff, folk are really critical of it. But it was actually really, really enjoyable football and it, it was it was top quality and it was better than a lot of what we saw at BC Place today. Well there's a certain uh, certain colleges in NCAA that do play properly. Unfortunately there's not a lot of coaches that play the game we should be played. They just try to hoof the ball up the field and hope for something like that. So they there are certain like a team like Santa Barbara 
who has had a lot of history in, in NCAA. New and Mexico, same thing. Davis, Michael Boxel. Yeah, so they, they have, and Joe Cannon. Yep. And, and so they have a little bit of a history of playing soccer, so they, they play the game a little better. But like you said, there are more teams actually that play, don't play the proper game and just try to get the ball off field. So yeah, there are, are instances both ways. But it, it was excellent. Well, we'll cover a bit more of that. We did an interview with Ben McKendry, which... The sound's not great because there was a lot of background noise, but we might feature that in a in a future podcast, or we might just run it in AFTN as a print piece, or we might do both. So watch out for that. But it, it was good. I'd like to see some more NCAA D1 games in person. You know, af- after watching it, I, I really... If I could get a paying gig covering just university stuff, not even just soccer, but like all university sports, I think I'd be happy with that, you know. It's a great atmosphere, especially NCAA. Yeah. And Santa Barbara, we're doing a ground hopping piece on that on AFTN, so watch out for that as well. They've led NCAA in attendance for the last six years, and it, it was voted the second most party university in the US. Oh yeah, the Gauchos really don't yeah, party. And I think that kind of it leads to the the atmosphere that you get in in the stadium and stuff like that. So there's a lot of good football on display there. Let's finish with a little bit of chat about the Whitecaps media match. Because to me, that's good news. Well, you were the champion. You were I, part I of the was. championship team. Yep. AFTN would have lifted the trophy no matter what. The final match came down to Team Perry, in which I was a... I can't even claim to be star striker. I can <laughs> vaguely claim to be a striker. But two goals and an assist to Paul Ritchie. That is my highlight ever in football. And Steve, you were goalkeeper for Team, Team DeVos. Jason DeVos. Yes, yeah. and uh, who, who injured me, by the way, in the in the final game. <laughs> that was actually my highlight of the game. Um, no, but uh, we, elbow to the ribs from a Canadian international. That's possibly another one for my highlight reel. We we won the first one, and then we drew the second one. Obviously, lost to your team at the third game. By the, by the third game, I think most of our guys were like out of it. I was out of it too. I couldn't. Move back or forth. In my, it was my first time playing in almost twenty years. I know I'm, so I'm kind of struggling rough. to move. I'm not sure that either of us are going to get out for seats when we finish recording this just now. But it, it was a great day out, and it was a, a nice thing that the White Caps put on. A lot of hard work went into organising it, and uh, Team Perry lifted the trophy. And I, I hope they do it again next year. I, it was it was a nice it was nice to see, and there was I think over fifty media there. And what I would really like to do is put a shout out to all those media there that you turned up for that game. Give the Whitecaps some more coverage on, on your stations and your on your TV, radio, print. Social media. Social media. It's like, don't, don't just come out for the media game. Really champion the Whitecaps because we've got a great club in this city. It's a club to be proud of. The residency programme to me is one of the best programmes in all of North America. And the results in the pitch just now are, are woeful. And it's like, I've been depressing all season talking about it, and I'm not going to suddenly become Mr Optimist now, because I, I just don't think the squad's good enough to make the playoffs. But the media that turned up yesterday, they need to get out and they need to support this team more. Well, you were on a, like a lot of rants today of calling people out. <laughs> I've just, a lot of things to get off my, my very sore chest. Yeah. So let, let's wrap it up now. We've, we've done a lot of chat. We've done a lot of rants. So, Steve, tell people where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. You can also find me, I write for AFTN Canada, soccer, Canadian Soccer News and Post America. And visit our AFTN Facebook page. 
And my name's Michael. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. As always, drop us an email at AFTNCanada at hotmail.com. And if you want to also, just to, sorry to interrupt there, uh, after a, a game or anything like that, if anybody wants to drop an audio uh, message, we can also include that in the podcast, in future yeah. podcasts. If, if you want to, to let your frustration, if you want to get your own rants, 30 seconds, minute, whatever you want. Yeah. If you want to send us some audio, we'll, we'll put that, make it MP3 format. Um, if possible, and we'll we'll stick that in the podcast, especially if we're doing a, in a post-game show. And, of course, you can read all our stuff on Canadian Soccer News, aftn.ca, canadiansoccernews.com. So, another defeat at BC Place for the Whitecaps. The lights have gone out here. Kind of feels that like the lights have gone out in the, the Whitecaps season. There's still time. There's still hope. I think, realistically, I, I know that it's over. But I just can't let go. Until next time, thanks for listening, take care, and mon the caps.